The following audio is from the Ridge Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. For more information about Ridge Church, please visit ridgechurch.cc. We hope you enjoy this message from the Ridge. Hey, uh, my name is Bobby. I am one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad you're here with us today as we uh, continue a series called Sabotage. And we're talking about issues of the heart that sabotage relationships. Um, Before we jump into the message, uh, today actually is the Ridge Church's birthday. Uh, Yeah. So, happy birthday to you. Uh, We are uh, six years old today, so that's uh, that's pretty amazing. Every time I think about what God is doing here, what God has done here in the last six years, I always think of Psalm 126.3 that says, The Lord has done great things for us. Amen? And let us be glad. That's what it says, and I, I love... Love that verse. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, We're going to continue this series. Wesley Hicks started us off last week. He talked about the upside-down kingdom of God. And if you uh, didn't get a chance to listen to that, I encourage you to go to ridgechurch.cc and uh, check out that message as he kicked off this series for us. And so I want to start with a little crowd participation this morning. And so uh, do me a favor and participate. I'll give you a high five if you do. It'll be good. I promise. It's therapeutic. So uh, let's, let's do this. Just by show of hands, how many of you are lake people? You like the lake? You're lake people? Okay. All right. That's cool. That's cool. All right. How many of you are mountain people? You like the mountains? All right. And I don't mean mountain people as in you drink moonshine, play with bug zappers, and watch NASCAR all in that order, okay? Um, but if you watch NASCAR, we have a recovery group for that on Tuesdays, all right? So uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. I love, I love my NASCAR people. It's great to nap to. It's awesome. Um, just saying. Just be, this is a place where it's, where it's okay to not be okay, okay? All right. So, uh, so some of you are lake people. Some of you are mountain people. How many of you like uh, Pepsi? Like you, you drink Pepsi, you're a Pepsi person, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, that kind of thing. All right. A few of you. How many of you would rather have Coke? More Coke people. All right. The sanctified in the house. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, how many of you, for some odd reason, cheer for really bad teams? How many of you cheer for worse teams? <clears throat> all right, all right. Uh, opposite of that, how many of you love to cheer for really good teams? All right, all right. More saved people in the house. That's great. Uh, and even better teams. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's all right. If you don't know who that is. We'll talk about your sanctification later. All right. So uh, how about this last one right here? Uh, How many of you see a blue dress? Come on. And how many of you see a white dress? All right. How many of you look at that and go, I see neither. I see a black dress. All right. We had one person raise their hand last service, and I'm like, I don't get it. Uh, I'm pretty sure this debate will be going on in hell. This is what's going to happen in hell. Right here, somebody going, which one is it? Which one? And so you're going to have to choose. All right. So listen, here's what I know about us. We're, we're all over the place. 
Like, we're all over the place. Like, like, it would be hard for us with this many people in the room today to go, okay, I want to find something that every single person in this room has in common. Like, to find one commonality. And so, because, like, we just admitted, like, some of us like Coke, some of us like Pepsi, some of us like mountains, some of us like, you know, uh, the ocean, some of us like uh, the lake. I mean, we're just all over the place. We're, we're all different. And so it would be hard for us to find something that every single one of us here has in common. But I do know this, there is at least, at least one thing that we all have in common, and that's conflict. We all have conflict in common, because we've all experienced conflict, have we not? We've all been through conflict, we've all uh, maybe even been the victim of conflict. Some of us have started conflict, a lot of us run from conflict, a lot of us try to avoid conflict. If you have been married for longer than two weeks, you've been in conflict. Amen? If you've dated anybody for longer than a month, you've been in conflict, right? If you have friends, you've been in conflict. If you have a job and coworkers, you've experienced conflict, have you not? And here's one. If you have family, you've experienced conflict, right? And so we all have that in common. We, we've all experienced conflict. We've all been a part of conflict in some way. Conflict is inev- it's inevitable. It's not a if conflict will happen. It's when conflict happens. And you see, conflict is one of those things like, like we could look at conflict and we could ask ourselves the question, you know, why does conflict happen? Why, why is this taking place? Why am I in conflict with this person? And it would be easy for us to, to try to be really super simple about it and say, well, I'm in conflict with this person because they're a jerk, right? Or I'm in conflict with her or I'm in conflict with him because of, of what they did, because of what they said. And so we could look at the, the surface issue of conflict and, and that's one way to, to look at conflict. But we, to really understand conflict, we have to get to the root cause of conflict. And so if you have any Bible background, any Bible knowledge, you, you probably know some of this already, but if not, that's okay. Let's, let's paint a picture of it for us. Let's get to the root of conflict. We have to go all the way back to creation to see how conflict has come about for us. You see, God creates the heavens and the earth. And then after he creates the heavens and the earth, he takes Adam and he takes Eve and he, and he places humans here on the earth and he places them into a, a perfect place. He puts them into the Garden of Eden, and he looks at that, and he says, it's good. It's good. This is a perfect place. This is a perfect situation for you. He says, but within this perfect place, within this garden, there is a tree of of knowledge there. And on this tree, there is this fruit, and, and I don't want you to eat of the fruit. I don't want you to touch the fruit. I'm giving you one rule. Just follow. Be obedient to me in this one thing. Outside of that, everything else is yours. Everything else you will experience will be perfection. Just don't do this. But if you read Genesis chapter 3, you see where Eve is deceived by Satan. And she eats of the fruit. And not only does she eat of the fruit, but then Adam stands by and he watches. He does nothing about it. And so immediately what we see take place is we see a broken relationship happen. The vertical relationship between Adam and Eve and Father God is now broken. It is now 
fractured, and so therefore there is separation that takes place. What was once perfect has now become broken, and so sin enters into the world, and so because of that, now there is conflict, is there not? And you continue to read it in Genesis 3, and what you see happen is you see the first marital spat takes place. We see marital conflict take, take place next, because when God begins to, to press them and ask them why they did what they did, Adam tells God, he says, it was because of that woman that you gave me. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so now we have, not only do we have vertical conflict, but now we have horizontal conflict, don't we? And so conflict is something that we have been dealing with for forever. Forever. And so conflict is there, and it's a result of this broken, fallen world that we live in. Jeremiah 17.9, the prophet Jeremiah, he says this, he says, The heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so why is that important? Because here's why that, that is important. is because so many times we say this phrase, don't we? I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm going to do what I feel is right in my heart. And what the prophet Jeremiah is saying here, he's saying, don't do that because your heart is sick. It's broken. And Jesus himself, he even unpacks this a little further in the Gospels. Jesus says this about the heart. He says, it's not what comes out of the mouth that defiles the person. It's actually what is already inside of a person. What comes out of the heart is what makes us broken and sick and evil. It's, Jesus says this. He says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, slander. And he goes on. He mentions several other things. Now, let me ask you, murder, slander, adultery, don't those things cause conflict? Absolutely. And so, listen, here, here's the deal. It's in there. If you've been around the ridge for any length of time, you, you hear me say this. Like, you, you, maybe, maybe you picked up on this, maybe you haven't, but I preach the same sermon to you guys every single week just in a different way. And, and it all goes back to the root of what is in our hearts, what sits on the throne of our hearts. And these are the things that lie within our hearts. They are in there. And so because of that, we have a broken vertical relationship with our Father. And the result of that is what happens horizontally. And because of that, we have strife and we have conflict. And we have hurt and collateral damage. And that exists for all of us. Some of you are in conflict with somebody right now. Some of you uh, have a conflict that uh, you've been avoiding for a long time. Some of, you, uh, some of you are just waiting to get to work on Monday because somebody jacked up something for you on Friday and you can't wait to get to work on Monday and break bad on them, right? And you know conflict is coming. And so conflict is there for all of us. And so if the root cause of conflict comes from the heart, the only solution to conflict will have to come from a changed heart. And lucky for us, Jesus specializes in heart transformation. You see, the scripture tells us that, that when he saved us, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, when he saved you, he gave you a, a new heart. It says that he replaced the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. A new heart. Therefore, your heart has been transformed, and that's good news. It means that conflict resolution, hear me, conflict resolution is not about behavior modification. Because we are all really bad at modifying our behavior, aren't we not? Like, we'll, we'll change a behavior that we have in our lives, 
We'll try to modify it. We'll try to change it. But then what ends up happening is we will revert back to the same behavior. Or our modified behavior will just make things worse. We like to think that if I change my behavior, then my heart will change as a result. But the scripture teaches us that our heart changes before the behavior changes. Out of behavior or out of heart transformation comes behavior modification. That makes sense? You guys tracking with that? And so what, what is taking place there is God says, because I've saved you, because I've given you a new heart, I've pursued you, I've sought peace with you, and so therefore, you yourselves are called to peace. Listen to Psalm thirty-four, fourteen. It says this. It says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, pursuing those we are in conflict with, is it, it's uncomfortable, is it not? It's uncomfortable. But this is what the scripture teaches us here. If you see this little end part here where it says, seek peace and pursue it. Isn't that what Jesus has done for us? He has sought peace for the, what we have broken vertically, what we have disobeyed, our broken relationship with God. God has pursued us. Make no mistake about it. Hear me when I say this, church. You did not pursue him. He pursued you. You did not save you. He saved you. If you're a believer. So his pursuit of you is coming after you to make peace with you, to reconcile you. And I'll explain what that means here in in just a moment. And so our job as believers is to to be a reflection of this. Here at the Ridge Church, we say it this way. We say that, that we are called to be a reflection of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, who Jesus is, and reflect that. It's told to us over and over and over in the Scripture. And so if you're looking for a bottom line for today's message, let me just go ahead and give it to you. If you get nothing else, uh, you, can, you can take this home with you. But simply this, as we navigate through confrontation and, and conflict, a right relationship with Jesus, being that our heart has been transformed, can lead to a right, right relationship with people. A right relationship with people. You see, God, through Jesus, reconciles us, meaning that he closes the gap between us and him. He pays the debt of our sin. He repairs the vertical so that as we um, imperfectly execute the horizontal. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm going to give you, they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the vertical, right? And then out of that comes the horizontal, love your neighbor as yourself. And so as God repairs the vertical, as we imperfectly execute the horizontal, because none of us are getting that right, are we? Anybody? No, we're not, we're not getting that right. None of us are going to perfectly execute the horizontal, loving our neighbor as ourselves. If you're really, really, really good at that, let's have a talk because I want to learn from you, okay? But we're, we're not going to get that right all the time. And so out of that comes conflict. But yet God gives us a way to navigate this in fact let's look at hebrews 12 hebrews 12 starting in verse 14 if you have a bible you can open it up and follow along there or uh, just follow along on the screen back here behind me hebrews 12 starting in verse 14 says this it says strive for peace with everyone now that sounds really really pretty 
in the Bible, and it would look really cool on a t-shirt, but it's really hard to do, is it not? Strive for peace with everyone. Is, now, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but do we have peace with everyone? No. But there's a pause there. And so it's really important that we get our minds around what this looks like. And he says, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Now that's really important. We could preach a whole sermon on that right there, but we don't have the time. And it goes on, he says, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. By it many become defiled. And so our response to conflict as believers will be directly tied to our understanding of the gospel and then our execution of the horizontal, the vertical understanding, the horizontal execution of the gospel. And so to do this, I think we really need to wrestle with and answer two questions, just two questions. There probably could be a few more, but I think these are the two most important. And I'll just ask you to do this. As I give you these two questions, I'll just ask you to, if you're a believer, ask, ask the Lord to search your heart. Even if you're not a believer, you don't, you've never given your life to Jesus, ask the Lord to, to search your heart and, and, and to, to really uh, have the answers to these be brought before you. It's a really dangerous prayer to pray because if you do that, he will. He will. And so two questions. To navigate through uh, conflict, two questions I think that we need to ask and answer. The first one is this. Will I fight? Will I flight or will I reconcile? Will I fight, will I flight, or will I reconcile? Notice I didn't say resolve. You see, because resolve means that we'll just modify behavior. But reconcile means that there will be a heart transformation that takes place that will lead to a behavior modification. And so will I fight, will I flight, or will I reconcile? And so I think that we all respond to conflict in one of these three ways. If we flight, that means that we run from conflict. If we fight, that means we probably typically run to conflict and maybe in some ways even create conflict. But if we seek out reconciliation, then we will do whatever is necessary to see peace happen, hopefully in a gospel manner. And so when we flight, when we avoid conflict or we try to ignore conflict, what ends up happening is there ends up being this 2,000-pound elephant in a relationship. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that that one where everybody knows that it's there, but nobody's saying anything, right? And it's awkward. You know know what I mean? Like, it's really, 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 really awkward. And so it's like everybody knows. Like, you're just kind of tiptoeing around each other, trying to watch what you say to one another, you know, trying not to say the wrong thing, always trying to say the right thing. When you know that deep down there is a grenade, there is a bomb about to go off, about to sabotage this whole relationship when that elephant jumps up and says, Woohoo, I'm right here. You know, I'm the only one that gets that. Okay, so, <laughs> I don't know. And when, when, we, when we try to avoid, when we flight and tiptoe around this, that will end up happening to us. You see, to, to flight, to avoid conflict, actually fixes nothing. In fact, it only delays the inevitable. And so if you are a flighter, if you continually avoid conflict, here's what I know to be true about you, is that there will be times when you go from place to place, you will go from person to person, you may even go from workplace to workplace, church to church, 
because you want to avoid conflict. You will have friendships that don't last. You will have relationships that don't last because you choose to leave that elephant in the room. And it makes things so awkward that the best thing to do is to go get a new church, to go get a new friend, to go get a new relationship, to go get a new neighbor, to go get whatever. All to avoid conflict. Stepping on people's toes now. You see, we can't be more concerned with the appearance of peace over the actual making of peace. You hear me? You can't be more concerned with the, the appearance of peace over actually making peace. And when we flight, when we avoid, that's typically where we end up. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus looks on us and he sees conflict because of sin. He looks on us and he sees conflict and he says, I know that you're not okay and that's okay, but I refuse to leave you there. And so I will enter myself, I will incarnate, I will come, I will bring myself into the mess, I will step into this in order to make peace, in order to reconcile you to myself, in order to to draw you into myself, to love you, to save you, to rescue you. Not avoiding the conflict, but actually doing something with it in order to make peace with us. He says, I don't want you to just look okay. I want you to be okay, so I'm not going to ignore the conflict. But when we flight, that's what we do. And then when we fight, a fight response lives by the saying, vengeance is mine. We, 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 we enter into conflict and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in this, and I'm going to get vengeance. I'm going to extract justice from this situation. And so if we are a a fighter when it comes to conflict, that's kind of how we enter into conflict. And thankfully, thankfully, this is not how God engages us, is it not? God does not engage us this way. Fighters will often uh, create conflict. I'll tell you another thing about people that that are actually fighters when it comes to, to conflict. There are some people that I know, and you probably know them too, that they should probably get a Ph.D. in passive aggressive comments. You know what I mean? Like they're just experts at it. And so it's disguised it's, it's disguised as flight, but it's actually fight. It's disguised as flight. It's disguised as the appearance of making peace, but it's actually fight. Passive aggressiveness is not how we reconcile conflict. It's not. See, the correct response, the gospel response, is reconciliation. Listen to what Galatians 6.1 says. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, translation, if anyone is in conflict, you who are spiritual, you who are believers, you who are Christians, you who are followers of Christ, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Not fight, not flight, but gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And so if we are to reflect the gospel, even in conflict, we have to understand that the gospel is about reconciliation. And that word reconciliation means that the gap is being closed. That the gap is being closed. And if we are to respect, uh, reflect the gospel in that way, because we've been reconciled to Christ through the cross, we are called to be reconcilers ourselves. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, all of this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So right there, off the bat, we see it. Where the Bible says, because you have been reconciled, you are called to reconcile. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Translation, we are reflectors of the gospel. We're to reflect Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so remember in Hebrews 12 where it said, Strive for peace with everyone for holiness, so that they may experience the grace of God that we too as believers have experienced ourselves. And so when we seek out to reconcile relationships, instead of flight, instead of fight, instead of just behavior modification, when we seek to actually uh, go about it in a, in a way of reconciliation, what Hebrews 12 is saying is it's saying that you are an agent to a person's sanctification. You are part of helping make them holy. In other words, you are part of helping them become more and more like Jesus. That's heavy, is it not? But yet, because we have been reconciled, we are called to reconcile. And so the second question, the first question, will I fight, will I flight, or reconcile? Second question is this, do I want to win or do I want to honor God? Do I want to win or do I want to honor God? Okay, safe place, how many of us like to win? Come on, let's just, not, not just in conflict, but just, we just like to win. We just like to win, all right? Okay, all right, so this half of the room likes to win, this half of the room likes to lose. Apparently, all right, so that's okay, that's all right. But listen, if we're all being honest, if we're all being honest, we all like to win. We all like to win. Nobody gets up and goes, you know what, I think I'm going to lose today. Sounds fun. We all like to win. But when it comes to conflict with others and our um, default position is to win, it's dangerous. We have to ask ourselves the question, do I want to win when it comes to this conflict or do I want to honor God in this conflict? In every conflict, we have the opportunity to reflect the gospel by showing the other person grace, mercy, and, listen, even truth. Showing who God is. And so in our response to conflict, you can either make a point or you can make a difference. You can either make a point or you can make a difference. If you're a fighter, it's probably all going to be about making the point. Being right doesn't mean that you make a difference. Instead, we should seek to honor God by reflecting the gospel because, because Jesus didn't come to be right. He didn't have to come and be right. He was right. He was righteousness. And so he didn't have to come and, and come down and, and, and walk amongst us and go, hey, right here, I'm right and you're wrong. In fact, he could have done that. He absolutely could have done that. John 3.17, though, proves to us that he didn't have to. John 3.17, right after the most famous verse of Scripture, John 3.16, we often look over 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. In other words, God did not send his son into the world to be right but in order that the world might be saved through him 
You see, Jesus did not come to tell us that he was right, to make a point. Instead, he came and made a difference, did he not? And by making a difference, he was proved. Listen, by making a difference, he was proved to be right. So the better question here is not how do I win, how, how can I be right, how can I make my point, but how do I honor God here? And so any time that we lead with grace, because we have been given grace, God gets glory. And so therefore we honor God in such a way. And so in conflict, as with anything as believers, how we respond should come from our understanding and reflection of this. And that, that is the gospel. So we look to Jesus to set our path in our response to conflict. Jesus entered into our conflict to reconcile us and honor God. And by reconciling us to him, Jesus honors God. Because our world is broken, we are sinners in need of reconciliation. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, a sinless life for us, living the life that that we were meant to live. And then dying the death that we were meant to die. So that we could be reconciled, made right with God, brought near after being far off. Resolving the conflict of sin by covering it with grace and mercy. I'm going to close by reading 2 Philippians. I'm sorry, 2 Philippians. That's in the other Bible. Uh, Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Pastors make mistakes too. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, being Uh, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, he did whatever was necessary to make peace with us. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And so as we as we close, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And I just want to uh, ask you to not only wrestle with the questions that I asked you before. Will you fight? Will you flight? Or will you reconcile? Do you want to win or do you want to honor God? But also ask you, ask yourself this. Is there conflict that you need to address? Is there a conflict that maybe you have avoided? Maybe you have tried to ignore? Is there conflict that that you need to gracefully 
and humbly and mercifully enter into in order to seek peace and reconciliation? Is there conflict that you need to enter into in order to achieve reconciliation? Others of you, there is conflict that exists, and it exists because it still exists because there, there is no peace there, there is no reconciliation there, and, and it, it's there because of the way that you responded to that conflict. And so the second thing I would ask you is, maybe you're here this morning and you need to go and ask for forgiveness about the way that you responded to some conflict. And begin the conversation of reconciliation. And yet, others of you, last but not least, for some others of you, there is conflict that exists between you and God. And the way that we achieve reconciliation there is by by confessing our sin and repenting of that sin. And that word repentance means that we're going we're gonna to turn from our sin and we're going to turn to Jesus. We're going to turn to the cross as we confess it and say, Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And if you've never asked for forgiveness of sin, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, then there is conflict that exists there. But God says, listen, Here's the deal. I'm not waiting for you to go and get things right. Some of you may be sitting there and you're thinking, well, I, I would love to do this, but there's conflict I've got to get taken care of, and I've got to get my life cleaned up, and I've got to get this straight, and I've got to quit doing this, and I've got to stop saying that. And I gotta, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what the gospel says. The gospel says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You know who the ungodly is? It's us. That says... Don't, you don't have to clean, I know you're not okay. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just got to come to me. I'll clean you up. That's reconciliation. And so as we sing this song, I, I encourage you to, to pray, to maybe work through some of these questions, to respond in the way that God is calling you to respond. And so would you stand to your feet as we sing this song? And you respond however God is calling you to respond. If you feel like you want to come to the front and pray, someone will meet you down here and pray with you. If you want to stand or sit right where you're at, please just stay right where you're at and pray. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, God, how it cuts open our hearts, God, how it, how it draws us to repentance. God, how it it pulls out of us, God, and and just outs us in front of you. God, that reminds us that that we are people in need of a Savior. And so, Father, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us where we have broken relationship with you, God, where we have created conflict between us and you. God, for those of us, Lord, who this morning, God, will need to enter into conflict, God, we pray that through the power of your spirit, God, that you give us the courage to do so. God, that we lead with grace. God, that we show mercy. God, that you give us the right words to say. God, for those of us who need to seek out forgiveness from others, who maybe we have broken relationship with because of the way that we responded with conflict, God, God, give us the strength to step into that conversation. Let us humble ourselves. 
We do what is necessary to see reconciliation take place because you have reconciled us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.